Good morning, family. Um, that was me up there. So once again, I'm Cassie. Um, right here next to me is Megan. Um, she's just one of our many students that we've met on our campuses throughout the years. Um, we actually met Megan at an event we had last fall. Um, it's called an Engage Night. And um, I think her, along with the majority of the people that attended that event, just followed the free pizza into the room. Um, but she left with something completely different. Um, so I'll let you tell her all about it, tell you guys all about it. <laughs> Um, okay, so I, before Christ, I, uh, well, I grew up Catholic, and um, my family and I were what you know as AEC Christian um, Catholics, uh, Ash Wednesday, Easter, and Christmas only. Um, but growing up, I always thought there had to be a middleman to have a relationship with God, and um, I, resulting in that, I ended up finding satisfaction in other wells that just Jesus wasn't present there, and um, I thought it was okay because I could go to confession the following week. Um, meeting Cassie Earl and um, all the other wonderful student leaders at ENC was incredible because I was actually at the most miserable point in my life, um, and I, uh, God pierced my heart that day, and ever since, I have been able to give him my life, and because of that, he has given me peace, he has given me healing, he carries me through things that I don't know I should be carried through, but I don't realize it because he's just there. He, he hugs me when I need it most, and I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Megan. Well, good morning, family. Come on. Welcome to City Life Church. My name is Earl Smith, campus director here of Every Nation Houston. Glad to have you. If you're new with us, thank you so much for allowing this church to be your home for today. And as you probably already have guessed, it's Campus Sunday. Yes, so much better than the last service. Um, and so today is a day in which we get a chance to honor God and honestly celebrate his heart for the college campus. And so you're going to see things up here like spoken word. And we do things a little bit different than the traditional sense of church because you allow young people to run it. So be okay with that. Um, yeah, so really quickly, I just kind of want to share uh, some, some vulnerability with you guys. Is that okay? Is that okay? Um, so basically what I want to do is I kind of want to, as I've been praying and fasting, I ask God, Lord, what is it that you want for every nation Houston? God, what is the story that, that you want to be able to tell within this book of life that you have? What is it that you want to tell? When, when someone comes up to me and asks me, what's every nation Houston all about? What is the particular scripture that you want to speak to us? So that's where I'm going to come from. Today I'm going to go to the book of John. And we've been in the book of John this entire uh, summer, but we're going to go backwards even more so uh, to uh, John 4, John chapter 4. G did an amazing job throughout this series just doing and preaching on John 4. But what I want to do is I kind of want to come at a vision perspective of who every nation is. Every nation Houston is ultimately who you are. Those that consider themselves to be members of this church, you're a part of an every nation church. 
And if you don't know what Every Nation is, we are a global ministry consisting of church plants and campus ministry around the entire world. And our goal and our, 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 our life's mission is to plant a church and campus ministry in every nation of the world because everybody needs to hear this good news that we have to share. Amen? Awesome. But real fast, it's been one of the toughest months or, semest- or summers of my life. And in the month of August, I've had three people die in my family, uh, two of them which was my grandpa and my grandma. My grandfather died unexpectedly, and two weeks later, my grandmother died. I think it was some sort of broken heart syndrome. The, she just kind of lost the will to live. So it's been really troubling. And actually, I got off the plane last night at 11 p.m., coming back from the funeral. So you have to bear with me if you see me squinting a little bit. I'm running on fumes here. But God is good. God is good. All the time. Black people know what they're supposed to say. Black people know that. All the time, he's good. But sitting there watching my dad break down and cry like that, and, and a lot of you know my story about my relationship with, with my dad or the lack thereof, and, but God has been doing this thing where he's been restoring. It's kind of like he loves restoring things for some reason, but he, he started to restore my relationship with my dad. But the thing about my grandfather, my, my grandfather had my dad at the age of 14 years old, and so it was one of those things where my dad's dad was a child having a child. And so he automatically, and my grandmother was 13, so they gave them up to my great-grandmother. My dad spent his entire life trying to find the approval of my grandparents, simply because he was abandoned from the beginning, un- unwanted. And so as I watched him look in that casket, because it was a double-casket funeral, and as I watched him cry and break down over my grandparents, And I begin to hold my dad and thank God for the restoration that he built within my dad because it's like the moment that he was just starting to do that with his father, he's gone. But as I'm watching everywhere around my family, I don't know if you've been to black funerals before, but they like to make you cry. They like to bring out songs to just make you kind of hurt a little bit bit more, but But as I sat there and I watched people, the only thing I could think about with my two grandparents, because I know them, was that they died thirsty. And what I mean by that is that they spent their entire life looking for areas to fulfill their heart, to fulfill their soul, to honestly quench their thirst, only to never find it in women, in jobs relationships, the many different marriages that they had. And God told me, son, you you feel this pain right now? You see your dad leaning over these caskets, hurting. He said, that's how I feel for the city of Houston. That's how I feel for those campuses because there's many people that is in your sphere at your jobs, on that campus, in your neighborhoods that are dying of thirst, not being able to have what you have. And we believe that God has called us to be a river to those people. But we got to figure out 
how we can leave the wells in which we try to get our fulfillment and we try to get our refreshment from so that he can be that well to make us into rivers of living water for the city that we call ourselves to. Amen? Turn with me to John. The title of this message is From Wells to Rivers. We're going to look at John chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 7 to 13, and then we're going to kind of skip down to verse 39. It says, When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? Or give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew. And I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the woman, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I give them will never thirst. For the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And let's skip down to verse 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed him because of that woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Papa, we thank you. Lord, help us understand your heart for the college campus. For those that are not on the college campus like I am or as a student, Lord, help us understand your heart for the city that we're called to. Help us understand your heart for the people that we work with. Visit the areas that we continue to go to. Become that area, Lord. Help us be kingdom focused, ultimately becoming a river. In Jesus' name, amen. There are four things that I would like to talk to you today about. Number one, Jesus visiting your well. Number two, Jesus becoming your well. Number three, what it looks like to be kingdom focused. And then lastly, what it looks like to become a river. The encounter between Jesus and this woman was nothing short of divine and intentional. And we know that it was intentional because it says at the very beginning of the chapter that he had to go through Samaria. And we know, family, that Jesus, God never has to do anything. He never had to. He never has to. In fact, the work that he did on the cross 2,000 years ago is enough for your life. No matter if he never did anything else. The work that he did for you to save your soul from eternal separation from him is enough. But it says that he goes out of his way, not just for the woman, but I believe that he was actually coming for the entire city of Samaria. And most of us begin to hear this particular story, hear and focus on what the woman went through in her life, apply it to our life situations, and only think that it was just a single mission. 
And in fact, I think that it's the opposite. I think God reached the single so that he can reach the entire city, kingdom-focused, if you will. Family, there's never a time where Jesus was only interested in stamping your ticket for glory or only interested in giving you the golden ticket like Willy Wonka and that just be it. In fact, if you're standing here or you're sitting here in this congregation and you've had this encounter with Jesus and he's essentially stamped your ticket for, for eternity, you better believe that there's a kingdom call that is attached to his encounter with you. You see, the only reason why God wants to step down into your life was number one, so that you can know who he is, but also know his heart for his kingdom. It says, point one, that Jesus sits down by this well. And the scripture says that it was about noon, and I really think it is important that we, we understand that it was about noon because I think it just shows just how messed up this woman really was. And, oh, she had a reputation. I mean, not only was she a Samaritan woman, Remember, the Jews hated the Samaritans. The Samaritans hated the Jews. Think Crips and Bloods. Or better yet, think Earl and the Dallas Cowboys. I'm just kidding. They didn't have it as bad as me and the Dallas Cowboys. But it says that this woman was, was despised because she was a Samaritan woman. But I think not just from the Jews, but even from her own culture. And, re- and, and rumor has it that She's been around the block a couple of times. This woman's reputation was so bad that she would walk miles and miles in the heat of the day to find a drink of water because nobody would have dared to walk at this time just so that she wouldn't be seen. Anybody ever been to Israel? The hottest time of the day? If you haven't, think Houston, Texas in the middle of July at 2 p.m. Imagine you having to walk from here to U of H just for a drink of water. Some of us couldn't make it here to our cars without being some sort of ill willed on the inside. But a walk at that time for that far for a drink of water that was only going to fulfill her just for a little bit and she would have to come back only can be encompassed by one word, shame. You ever heard of the walk of shame? This is the woman who introduced it. How far is the well that you walk to in search of a drink that never fulfills you? What's the well that you go to in the heat of your life when your marriage is acting a fool? When your job is just not really working out the way it should be? When your grades aren't just looking the way they should be? What's the well that you turn to to find fulfillment that you just continue to have to go back to never to find it. You see, one of the things that I'm beginning to understand is that man-made wells will always leave you one or two things. It'll always leave you thirsty, and it will always leave you walking in shame. It's just a simple. But, but this is who Jesus visits, a woman who spent most of her life trying to find validation, trying to find a drink, trying to find life, only never to find it. In fact, Jesus is sitting down and he says to her, give me a drink. And I think it would do us very well to not just look at that statement as a physical drink. In fact, one of the things that I kind of think and bear with me is, I think he was asking, can you give me a drink? 
with all the things that you go to when you go to this well and you're trying to find this fulfillment, you're trying to find your identity and purpose, when God asks for a drink for your life, is it fulfilling? Is it refreshing to God? John also writes about this in some way in the book of Revelation. He writes to a country club I like to call called the Church of Laodicea. And, and one of the things that he says, and you got to understand about the city of Laodicea, is a very rich city. Resources was great. The church actually said that we have no need for nothing. John writes this, and God says, yeah, you say you have no need for anything. You're rich, you're older, but in fact, you're dumb, you're poor, you're blind, you have no clue. It says that you're neither hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And because I've drank from your life and it's lukewarm, I need to spit you out of my mouth because it doesn't refresh, it doesn't, it does, it's not pleasing to me. And most of us hear this particular passage, the way I grew up on this passage was that you need to be all the way on fire for God or all the way against God. Never in the middle. Old school people like to call it straddling the fence. I don't know if you're old in here, but I don't quite think it meant that. In fact, there was two springs that would flow into this city, a hot spring and a cold spring. And the cold spring was useful, and, and it gave people water, and it made it, people were able to drink from it. The hot spring was also used, and you can, you can consume it, and it was used for medicine, all type of things, cooking. And I think what God is saying is, is your life useful in some way? The city that I've called you to, are you a drink? Are you a spring on either side for them? But in fact, those two springs would come right directly in the middle and people would drink of that water and they would literally throw up. And that's what God is saying. Could I drink from your life? I'm, I imagine the Samaritan woman is like, now wait a minute. He's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. It's the hottest time of the day and he's asking me for a drink. Why not? Oh, I know what he's looking for. You see, it says that she had five husbands. She's like, this might be number six. I might have found number six. And I can see Jesus just trying to, to help her see and, and to help her know, listen, you don't have to come to this particular well. He says that I can create you a well. And she's like, oh, really? You must be greater than our father, Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself. And I, and I can imagine Jesus like, oh, no. She think I'm trying to shoot my shot. <laughs> For those that don't know what shooting your shot means, you're a little bit older, trying to holler at her. Okay, for those that don't know what that means, a little bit older, she's trying to court her. <laughs> Maybe that would be a little bit better. But... But the way that Jesus responds to this woman is nothing short of amazing. And he says to her, listen, you know, I see you. You keep coming to this well. You keep trying to find fulfillment in this, in this thing. And you have to continue to walk this walk of shame. And you're going to die that way. But in fact, I can give you something greater. In fact, what I can give you will create in you a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You never have to go to a well, a metaphoric well, ever again. Now, I've drank a lot of water in my lifetime, 28 years, I believe. Uh, so I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about water. And I've had all types of water. I've had water 
from, from coming downstairs, ice cold, fresh water, and that was great. But nothing was, but what was better than that particular, that, that water was when I was on the football field. And man, it's hot, it's sweaty, it's blood, sweat, and tears. You just can't wait. You're dying. You need a drink. And there was something about that drink that just, oh, it was so fulfilling. It beat that water when I was just chilling at home. But even greater than that, the best water I've ever had, and please don't laugh at me, but the best water I've ever had, I don't know if y'all were, when y'all were kids, we used to have to play outside. Uh, for some of us that are in college, we used to actually play outside and ride bikes. And mama always said, you better not walk in this house tracking mud. In fact, we would have to go outside. And she said, if you go outside, you got to stay outside until dinner time. Anybody, anybody, most, mostly black people out here. <laughs> she would say, you better not come back inside this house until dinner is ready. So we would have to wait outside all day. And as we're walking and we're running and playing, nothing tastes better than the water that came from the water holes on the side. Anybody some water holes, children? Come on. Tell me it did not taste the most refreshing thing to you. And that Jesus wants to be your water holes on the side of your house. <laughs> has Jesus visited your well? Has he, has he come down into the very areas of your life that you keep trying to go and find life? Has he come down into your life into the very areas? Have you visited him? Have you allowed him to visit the areas that you keep running to when life is just too much? See, this is all important because maybe we don't understand why he wants us, how he wants us to be a river because we can't get past this particular step. The woman still doesn't get it. In fact, it takes a word of knowledge, which is a piece of information downloaded from God himself. If you want to know more about that, quick plug. Um, uh, come to our Unhinged Nights on, on Wednesday nights. But it takes a word of knowledge to help this lady know that Jesus is not trying to shoot his shot. He says, you know what? I need to help you. Let, go find your husband. And she says, I don't, <laughs> I don't got one of those. He's like, you know what? You're right. In fact, you've had five husbands. And the man you're now sleeping with, the man you're now shacking up with, is not your husband. The whole entire tone of the conversation begins to shift. Oh, I see that you must be a prophet. You know, uh, our ancestors worshiped on this mountain. It's really funny when people find out I'm a minister. Because when I, I remember sitting down with one of my barbers and he cussed like Samuel Jackson. And he was one of the greatest of all times at cussing. And the moment he found out that I was a minister, oh, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, my grandfather was a pastor. And so we know, we know, you know, I know God. Just so weird. Jesus deals greatly with this woman. He reveals himself to her. I'm everything that you're looking for. I'm all the things that you need, and I know for the sake of time, I have to keep going. I'm everything that you need because I'm everything that you're not. Family, it's important for us to understand that he is everything that we could never, ever be. You're messed up. He's not. You're thirsty. He's full of life. He wants to become the very well that we continue to go to. It's, you can't find it in your jobs. You will never find it in anything else but Jesus Christ. The woman 
has this encounter with Jesus, and his words begin to transform her from the inside out, so much so that she runs back to the city that despised her in the first place. And meanwhile, Jesus has this encounter between him and his disciples, much like I think Jesus would have one with the body of church today. You see, his disciples can't understand why in the world are you talking with her? Remember, they hated the Samaritans. Not only was she Samaritan, but he, she's a woman. Why? They were surprised to find her talking with a woman. In fact, they offered him a meal because they went into the town to do all this work to make sure that Jesus has something to eat. And Jesus says, I don't want what you got. In fact, my food is to do the will of the Father who sent me the very people that you have ill will towards. You see, family, it's really hard to try to serve God while having preconceived notions about the people that he came for. In fact, you can't serve God and look at a generation like the millennial generation and below and write them off because they weren't like yours. Remember, you were once a millennial to another generation. You, there were people that were sitting in the very seats that you're sitting in that discounted or counted you out deeming you unworthy to be saved or deeming you as someone that God can't use to save other people, yet you're here. See, Jesus says that the time is now. The only thing that will fulfill him is doing the Father's will. I'm here to be a drink, and they didn't even notice the crowd of people coming behind him. He says, I'm here to be a drink for the very people that you saw unfit You see, family, Jesus is not just interested again in punching your ticket for glory or just visiting your wells. He wants to become your well because his whole thing and his whole point is so that he can be a river to the city. In fact, he wants to use you to be a drink for the city. But see, some of the things that we need is we need God's power and his spirit. I believe that God has called us to a major calling, every last one of us here. But we need to ask God to breathe on us because we can't do it without his indwelling. What we're about to do right now is we're about to worship God. Some of the college students are about to come up here right now. We're about to worship God and we're going to ask him to breathe on us. Don't look at this generation and think that he can't breathe on them. So I want you to engage in asking God, Lord, how is it that you want to use me? Help me be a drink. Then I'll be back. We love the creativity. We love and we value diversity here. In fact, we love and we value diversity within our creativity. You see, God wants to use a generation. He wants to use you to impact that generation. Can you stand to your feet? It says that the woman, after having this encounter, after being messed up like us, after walking in shame like us, after having all these different encounters just like us, after God came in and Jesus visited her well, became her well, it says she went back to the city. And it says that many of those people became believers because of her testimony. And let me let you know right now what her testimony was. 
It was come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Not the best testimony in the world. In fact, Megan did an amazing job of what a two-minute testimony is. Which goes to show you, we have no excuse because we have the same things that that Samaritan woman had. We have our encounter with God and we have the story. There's no reason, no excuse because this is who Every Nation Houston is. We are a broken people who want to become a river to the city through the college campus. This is what we're celebrating today. God wanting to breathe on this city through the college campus, but also in your jobs, in your family, in the very neighborhoods that you come from. There are people dying, walking miles, trying to find fulfillment in things that will only bring them death, like my grandparents. God wants to do a major thing in this city. But he wants to use people as many drinks. Because it said that when they heard her testimony, when they essentially took a sip of her life, they went to go find the real source. And they said, not only do we believe because of what you said, we've tasted and seen for ourselves. And now we know that he is the savior of the world. Jesus is everything that I was looking for. He's everything that I need. God showed me, Earl, it doesn't matter what you do in life. It doesn't matter how many people have died in your, in your family. I'm a family and I'm a generation of Earls. You don't understand, what, I don't even know what number of Earl I am, but one of them has just died. There was something that was not broken inside of me, but broken inside of my dad. But he, I have something that my dad doesn't necessarily have. I have the source of life. And God used me while I was there, no matter how tired I was, to be there. They actually allowed me to give a mini prayer. And people begin to give their lives to Christ. Jesus, it's all about him. Allow God to be, to visit your wells. Allow him to become the very thing you go to. While while being kingdom focused, you see, when he becomes your well, you take on his perspective. You're able to wake up in the morning full of joy because you're not just going to punch in a clock. You get to walk into a mission field that God has for you. And you have a story. You don't have to be a theologian. You have a story. You have your encounter with God. Become a drink. Become a river. Papa, we thank you for every person here. We ask you to breathe on the very things that you've called us to. We can't do it alone. We can't do it under our power, under our strength, but it's only by your spirit. Lord, we give up every last well we have for fulfillment that is not you. We ask you to become the very source of life, the drink that we need. 
to fulfill us, ultimately be helping us become keen of focus, becoming in us a spring of water welling up to eternal life and impacting the campus and the city around us. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen.